When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, recording here late Friday night. I am back from Pittsburgh. The Patriots' third win of the season, 21-18 to over the Steelers. No points in the second half, but it did not matter because the Patriots had their highest scoring first half in almost two years. And you know what? That's good enough when you're facing Mitch Trubisky. Uh, this episode of the Pass Interference Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, which is a wagering part of the CNLS Media Network. We bring back good friend, man of the people, the people's favorite, Doug Kye of the Boston Herald. Uh, you were not with me in Pittsburgh. I know you watch on TV. That might have been a more um, pleasing experience. I don't know. Like, it's a great <laughs> atmosphere. I know you go to Pittsburgh. And yeah. It was a shocking first half. A lot of fun, and we're going to get to it. But what was the view from home as you're, you know, settling in with your own shock of just like, oh, they scored. Oh, they scored again. That's a third touchdown. What is going on? Yeah, it was pretty shocking. It was, uh, I mean, just out of the gate, them going on that drive – I know we saw something kind of similar when Zappi replaced uh, Mac Jones. And what game was that at this point? That was the way where he immediately went on a scoring drive. Was that against the Colts? The Giants. Giants, yes. Giants, of course. Um, so that wasn't like the biggest shock because I feel like the Patriots opening script has been okay at times this season. And you got Bailey Zappi in there. You're willing to take a little more chances. Then, yeah, obviously the next score comes off the turnover. So that's a short field. That's not that shocking that they can get in the end zone again. The third one, I think, was the most shocking, that they could replicate that one more time um, and march down the field and score another touchdown. And, I mean, Bailey Zappi's pass to Hunter Henry, like just a, a really great throw over a defender's hands, perfectly placed, great catch by Hunter Henry. So, yeah, it was it was definitely shocking. Um what the Patriots offense was able to do because I, I feel like, and maybe we can get into this a little bit more, but, I don't know. I mean, like Bailey Zappi's been bad ever since training camp. And I, I feel bad kind of repeating that over and over and over again. But it's really based on what people inside the building have said about Bailey Zappi dating back to training camp. Uh, so for him to come out and be so much better than what we've seen out of Mac Jones over the last few weeks uh, was certainly a, a bit of a shock. It was. And so the plan today, we are going to talk about that game. Um, I normally do these recap episode solo. So, hey, it's great to not talk to myself for 50 minutes, which somehow I did because I have a lot of problems last Monday. But we're, we're going to skip the good and the bad. We're going to do what NFL films say. No mailbag here today. Uh, and we have a brand new segment, which is break down some video. And this is not <laughs> X's and O's content. This is much 
much better. This is ha-ha content. Not even tee-hee. These are loud belly laugh content. Because you mentioned Bailey Zappi, and we're going to break him down again. Promise real football stuff is coming. But this is so funny. This video I tweeted, having just landed at Logan, waiting for some other plane to get out of the gate. Looking at the oh the Patriots they tweeted their their locker room video this is great we haven't had one of these in six weeks let's see how it yeah. was in the locker room I was in the locker room it was a good time but they have better access than I do and so you get early in this video this is a nine second clip I'm going to describe it to the folks who are listening everyone on YouTube should be able to watch here soon and watch with us and then we're going to break it down like we would an actual play you ready <laughs> yes I'm ready okay good uh, mind you this video not because of me but because of people with with much larger followings than I have have, have passed it on we are over. Uh, Three million views, I believe, at this Ooh, point right now wow. with this video. So, moving forward, Bailey Zappi, triumphant Bailey Zappi, swings into the Patriots locker room, turns a corner. He has one arm extended. Like, you're going to see your boy that you've not seen in a long time. He's at the bar. He's got a beer, one for him, one for you. Who is he pointing at? Of course, it's Bill O'Brien. So, Bailey Zappi walks in. Boom, slap, immediately. There's no awkwardness. It's smooth. Greets Bill O'Brien, daps him up, comes in straight for the big hug. Pause. They embrace not only like their boys. Now there's an element of father and son here. I'm happy to see you. I'm <laughs> proud of you. That was such a great game, a great performance. And they hold that for a second, then slowly depart. And both of them look off, I would say, is like 2 o'clock. You know, if dead center is yeah. ahead of you, is 12, they're looking at 2 o'clock. Bill O'Brien's smile fades. Bailey's is still hanging there, but he's kind of leaning away, going, okay, like I got to go find somebody else. And so. What they were looking at at 2 o'clock, because of the way the camera's positioned, and we know who's coming next, is Bill Belichick. And so Bailey's happy going from greeting one of the boys to now looking at Bill Belichick, throws this awkward, silent thumbs up. Like, hey, I see you. This is the amount of distance I would like to keep. And Bill O'Brien's watching him make this thumbs up. Pausing here before we get to Bill, what is your thought now for five seconds through this 10-second uh, clip, the greatest that we've had all season? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you described it pretty well. It is like a real father-son moment between Bailey Zappi and Bill O'Brien. Like, almost kind of surprising, I'd say, that they were so <laughs> jovial and, like, like so affectionate towards each other and everything like that in this clip. Um, and the thumbs up is is it kind of an awkward part of this where you assume he's doing that towards Bill Belichick? I, like, is it like a, is it okay to come over and see you, Bill? Or is it like a, <laughs> hey, we won, thumbs up? Or it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think you described it um, up to this point even better than, than I, or, or better than I could. But I do have thoughts beyond this point as well. Okay, so let's continue. Because again, yeah. he's making the thumbs up at about two o'clock, which if it was at the camera, we would see him. It would be head on. We would see the thumb right. covering his face. We do not. Here it is. And so Bill O'Brien's looking at him, arms down at his side. And again, the, the smile is not totally waned, but it's mostly gone. And so he's looking at Bailey as I hit uh, play here again. The thumbs down <laughs> drops. And I, I can't tell. For the love of me, I cannot tell. But I swear somehow without his lips moving, Bill O'Brien says, Go say hi. Go, go say hi. Go, go, go kiss the ring. Just you can do go it. over there. So he walks over. The first step is like, oh, I should have, I should have known. So he's, he, it's not a swagger, but there's like an initial kind of like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going over here. Second step shoots out the right arm again. This time it's not pointing at his boy at the bar. This time it is to meet from a distance and greet with a firm handshake. As I described it, like his father-in-law who's in the military and has never forgiven him for not asking for his blessing. 
And who meets him but Bill Belichick, who, of course, does have military background. And here we go. I'm going to pause there at the handshake. Billy's well, I mean, meeting him on making contact. No smiling anymore. Well, yeah, very stern face. It's like it's almost shocking yeah. that he's not like saluting Bill Belichick at this point because that's what it feels like. He's like, uh, like a, I don't know, really know the military uh, like commands well enough, but like some, you know, like like yeah, like like meeting your drill sergeant, like like congratulating him. On, I don't know. It's but the the part that I think is really funny too, even immediately after this, is that like Jelani Tavai comes up. And he's like smiling and laughing and like shaking Bill Belichick's hand without any awkwardness whatsoever. But it's very, very different for Bailey Zappi than it is for, for the defensive player, the linebacker, Jelani Tavai. Okay, so Bailey stands there. His, his feet are about shoulder width apart. He's standing his ground. They're shaking hands. It's a quick up, down, and it yeah. comes down again. And he's still looking like straight ahead again. You put, I think this was a, a Fitzy thing last year, like Colonel, General, something, Corporal Bailey's happy. Like it's the haircut, it's the disposition, oh, yeah. it's the look in his face right now. And there was someone in the locker room who might be coming on this podcast in a week or two and has much more experience with cameras and being around the team and specifically close to players and coaches in a way that even those of us in the press box during these games are not that close. And he thought, okay, it's a, it's a man. That there's a little F you here as Bailey's just Bailey's chin is a little bit up. Like, you can't break me, Bill. Mm. I'm not recording this. I'm not saying it. But we all understand the history here. You come at the end of training camp. Bench me totally in week six. I've not been good to start. Well, Mac Jones implodes and I have a front row seat. But, no, let me sit here. So they they let go of the handshake at that point, And then Bailey immediately turns away. And here comes to Lonnie to buy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so you replay the video. There's just so much in here that I want to – I keep talking about it. we can't we're going to get to the real football but it is just it, it's nothing personal about bill there's no rooting against bill here it's just the juxtaposition the comparison the immediate side by side and by the way as i'm just noting this noticing this now for the 56th time i'm watching the video bill o'brien is like scratching his face like oh i'm not looking over there this is awkward <laughs> in the background yeah upon, upon making contact with the handshake his hand's still on his face as zappy and bill start to embrace or shake hands not embrace and then let go. Yeah, it, it almost feels like Bill O'Brien thinks that he's like done something wrong by celebrating with Bailey Zappi in the locker room. I also would like to know what uh, Matt Groh and Jim Whalen are talking about behind all of this. Because yes. were, were there any major injuries in the game? There, did anyone even leave the game with an injury? I don't think so, right? Um, not that I tweeted about. So yeah. I, I would say no. I didn't see the medical blue tent go up once. So there yeah. were a lot on the, um, the Steelers' sideline. But this is it's just an amazing video. And it's just to <laughs> say – we can laugh at 3-10. and 10. It's not about Bill. It's not about Zappy. It's just, you know, throw out the, the background and the history, which obviously plays a role here, right? <clears throat> it's, just, it's just so good, and I'm so glad we started there. Do um, <laughs> you have anything the, more to the add? The look on Bailey Zappy's face versus the look on Jelani Tavai's face. It's just so different. Like, like you said, Bailey Zappy's got, like, the chin up, like, total, total stern face. Jelani Tavai comes in just like all goofy. I don't know. It's it's fantastic. It really is. I, I would not be surprised if in watching Army Navy tomorrow, go Navy, beat Army, <laughs> that Bailey Zappi is just in uniform on the sideline. Maybe even for Army. <laughs> just standing with the hat on with that same exact face because he's nailed the look. He's nailed the expression. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is going off the rails. But I just would encourage you, if you've been listening this long and you're still with us and you have not seen the video, just, go to my yeah. Twitter. 
go to Doug's Twitter. Go to Bill Simmons' Twitter and, and find <laughs> it because it's there. Um, Bailey Zappi. Let's talk about him in a real football sense. We said the three yeah. touchdown passes in the first half. First time that's happened for the Patriots since 2018. Man named Tom Brady did that. Uh, overall in the game, 19 of 28, 240 yards, two touchdowns, one picks, a sparkling, sparkling uh, QB rating of 115.2. So I ask you this. We watched that game. We watched the last game when he got shut out, when we watched the second half against the Giants. Uh, those six quarters stunk. Mm-hmm. We had two great ones and two eh, in Pittsburgh. In those two great quarters or in just playing an overall solid game, did Bailey Zappi prove anything to us on Thursday night? He didn't prove anything because I would like to see like, I don't know. I mean, there's only four games left. You would honestly like to see this over a larger period of time than four games to make any definitive conclusions about Bailey Zappi. So, no, I don't think he proved anything, but I do feel a little bit differently about Bailey Zappi after last night's performance than I did heading into last night's performance. And that might sound obvious, but I mean – this was more similar than, to the Bailey Zappi that we saw last year when he won two starts, looked pretty good against the Packers uh, when he was relieving Brian Horner in that game. And then obviously he stunk in the game against the Bears, and he's basically stunk ever since then uh, through training camp and preseason, the relief appearances this season. But I think that if he does this now over the last four games, looks somewhat similar to this, then maybe you go into next season. And I know that, you know, you and Tom Curran were debating this on quick slants uh, this week where Tom Curran was saying like, you keep Mac Jones on as the bridge starter and you bring on the second round quarterback or whatever. Like if Zappy continues this, wouldn't you just swap in Mac Jones for Bailey Zappy in that situation and say like, okay, at least we've got Bailey Zappy if this thing doesn't work out with a rookie quarterback right away. I think I'd personally prefer someone like Jacoby Brissett or, or a more established uh, backup slash starting quarterback. But I think that you can at least like start to formulate those conversations. I don't think it's, I don't think you can have them yet because it's been one game, but I, I don't know. It was what he did in the first half was impressive, but he finished with 240 yards. I think he had 198 in the first two quarters. So he did basically nothing over the second half of the game. He did throw the interception. So it went downhill pretty quickly. But I also think, I think you were asking Bill Belichick about this after the game, where like, all right, once you get the lead, does your game plan change a little bit? It felt a lot like they got out to a lead and then they were like, we're just going to bleed the clock for the rest of this game because we don't believe that the Steelers can put up 21 points against our defense if we allow the clock to run out. So that's what it felt like to me. I think that they did get a lot less aggressive there in the second half. I think that's one of the reasons why Zappi was so much more productive in the first half than he was in the second half. I'm sure the interception played a role in that as well. Um, But yeah, does this prove anything? No, but I definitely do feel differently about Zappi at this point. So it used to be that the Patriots played their best football after Thanksgiving. Well, I'm here to tell you we don't have to wait for turkey and mashed potatoes and football for you to win and place your best bets of the year with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 with a single bet if the team that you pick wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, I'm telling you, there's no better time than now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. I do it all the time. There's a wide range of options, too, if you don't like betting options, like the money line. That's for me. If it's not for you, 
Go for point spreads, player props, over-unders, and tons more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and get your winning in the NFL season, no matter what the Patriots do. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-year-older and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org. Call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, to that last point about bleeding the clock, um, Bill, I don't remember what he said because the la- the last line was uh, score doesn't really matter, and my follow up was right. the score doesn't matter. And right. his point was yeah. like we just continue to run offense regardless of the game situation, time, score apparently, and I-, I think that's debatable. But to to his point, they start the second half three straight passes on their first possession. The next drive starts with three straight runs. Pass, run, pass on the third drive of the second half. And then it leads more run heavy, as you said, when they're yep. just trying to bleed the clock, even though they had not run the ball very well. I think their success rate finished about 40% for the entire game right. um, against what was a middling Pittsburgh run defense that stacked the box. And Atlanta Roberts, old friend Atlanta Roberts, yeah. with that hashtag dark grind. Um, <laughs> that is a deep cut. Um, played like an all pro. Anyway, for me, Bailey Zappi proved, and this is – as someone who has been calling for Malik Cunningham to get some playing time. Zero snaps, yeah. again, by the way, despite being elevated. Uh, to at least start the next two, three games without yeah. question. Like, he can bomb in a way that we have seen for Mac Jones and run him back out there again because he's at least managed yeah. this offense and managed it in the way of, again, as I described this week in uh, some piece, time articles, it was all meaning after a while, blur together. He's not holding the grenade after he's pulled the pin in the way that Mac was doing time and time again with these pick sixes. And these fumbles. The other part is the deep passing game. And I tweeted about this in real time. He has completed, Billy Zappi has, as many passes that cover 20 yards in the air this season as Mac Jones has. And he did it in 287 fewer dropbacks. The way you expand the field and where you're going to attack, it didn't open up the run game, but it keeps a secondary honest on all of your other route combinations where before – Hell, we were saying this. I was asking Bill O'Brien about this in early October. They're playing downhill. They're driving on screens, driving on slants, driving on in cuts. You can't do that now suddenly with Bailey Zappi for better or worse. Right. I would say for better, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the deep passing was, was a major part of that. I mean, it's... I do also think that, you know, if like, Things had gone slightly differently. It feels like like things were kind of bouncing the Patriots' way, especially there in the first half. Like like the catch by Juju Smith-Schuster, that's a legitimate – that might not even be a 50-50 ball. Like I think I said it was like a 33-66 because there was two defenders around him. Second defender was a little bit further off. But like him making that catch is definitely not guaranteed. And then if you remove that catch, they probably don't drive down the field in that first grab. If, if that pass to Hunter Henry is like – just slightly off and I, and it's not. So you have to give Bailey Zappi credit for it, but like there's a situation where these passes are tiny bit off. And then the Patriots score one touchdown. If that on that first uh, in that first half. So I don't know. I, I think it's certainly he was a lot more productive and efficient on deep balls. And like you said, like he's, he's completed as many as, as Mac Jones on a fraction, as many passing attempts. I'm curious to see if this can keep up. 
Uh, history suggests it might not be able to, but he did at least show the ability to do this, whereas Mac Jones has not so far this season. Well, and there's a key piece of this that we're missing in the whole conversation about Bailey Zappi, because like Mac Jones, uh, he is, a, as I've said many times, a pocket-bound point guard. What you, yeah. A little bit more mobile, willing to scramble. He's also more willing to throw the ball away, which he did as many times in that game as Mac yeah. Jones had done in his last three games combined, which is like, hey, throwaways aren't good. You know what they're better than? Pick sixes yeah. and fumbles and sacks. Okay? So the piece that we're missing, though, is the protection because he was only affected in about 14% of his dropback. So he had time to go through his reads. And I, I think that helped him build confidence as, as Pittsburgh yeah. was really blitzing him a whole lot. And by my charting, didn't blitz him in, in, in the second half. And I think that's more of a scheme thing. Uh, Michael Wenu only allowed one hurry from mm-hmm. T.J. Watt after getting great. his butt kicked, frankly, against Khalil Mack, yeah. which, hey, Khalil Mack's going to the Hall of Fame. No shame in that. So this leads to kind of something you hinted at between the protection or Zappy or the running game taking a step back. How much of the what we saw you think is sustainable moving forward over the last four games? I mean, I'm not personally convinced that it's sustainable. And obviously going up against the Chiefs next week certainly doesn't help. Um, but at least we've seen it. At least he's done it, which is, like I've said, like something that we really have barely seen from Mac Jones at all this season outside of maybe the Buffalo game and earlier in the season when he was playing a little bit better. Um, the the mobility is funny because Bailey Zappi actually ran a slower 40 time than Mac Jones. But like he looks so much more athletic when he is running the ball. It's kind of similar to Jimmy Garoppolo where like Jimmy Garoppolo is also very slow. He ran like a borderline five second 40, but he just looks so much mobile when he's actually like moving around the pocket and scrambling than Mac Jones does. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know like what makes <laughs> Mac Jones look less athletic than these guys. But I also think that Bailey Zappi is pretty smart with the way that he does use his legs. I think he uh, even, um, you know, against the Chargers, he had a couple plays with his legs that, that were beneficial for the Patriots offense. So I don't know. I'm I'm just still not convinced that this is sustainable over the last four weeks, but it happened. <laughs> it happened for one half, but it did happen. So like you said, I, I think that, yeah, this earns him at least two to three more starts based on what he did. Um, and, and it helps that there's no one else to really turn to. Patriots have clearly shown that they don't want to turn to Malik Cunningham. Um, kind of unclear why they keep dressing him not to play him. I guess it is to be a backup quarterback. That's what Bill Belichick was kind of alluding to on the conference call this morning, or he's just kind of a super sub. And if they need a wide receiver, they put him at wide receiver. If they need him at quarterback, they need him at quarterback and they haven't needed either one of those positions when he's been active. Or he's a super decoy. I don't know. I, I ranted a lot yeah. about Malik in the last episode. So I'm going to spare uh, the, the folks from that. Um, Let's run down some numbers because I think it's it's not just a zappy conversation like we talked about the protection. I think the Juju point yeah. is a great one because he finished with, and these numbers are real, four catches for 90 yards. Yeah. Um, great night for Juju. First time going back to Pittsburgh, Mike Kosicki defended him to me in a way that was unprompted and, and completely volunteered of just saying there's mm-hmm. a narrative. And look, we could both acknowledge that Juju's played poorly and maybe people have gotten on him for something that was outside of his control, largely the health of his knee. Uh, at the same time, but nonetheless, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, 90 yards receiving. Sustainable or no? I, I'm still going to say no. I mean, like... Okay, I'm, just, I'm surprised it took you that long to think about it. Let's go to uh, one more, though. Ezekiel Elliott, 
um, well over 100 yards, but let's say, and it looks like he'll need to start once again, yeah. 100 total yards in a game. This one I think is sustainable. I think Ezekiel I is sustainable because he's been he's been this good for like the last 10 to 12 weeks or so. He had kind of a rough start, but I mean, he's he's been – He's been Ezekiel Elliott from last year, all season. And that's not Ezekiel Elliott from 2018 or whatever, you know, his best seasons were. But he's been a decent running back. He can do enough as a pass catcher. He can pick up yards and fall forward as a runner. And, I I mean, he kind of had a a sneaky 140 yards from scrimmage in that game, I feel like. Um, Not a lot on the ground, a lot more through the air. But I think that he's been used so... I don't know. They, they've saved him so much throughout the season that I do think that they can continue to now use him as like an 80%, 90% of snaps type runner over these last four weeks. I don't think that's inconceivable that he could continue to be that workhorse that we saw last night. I agree. And it sounds crazy given the way that we were talking about him this summer, right? Like you know, right. he's here to uh, keep Ramondre fresh and Ramondre is going to do the same thing for him and we'll see. But Zeke said after the game, that he feels as good yeah. right now as he's ever felt this late in the season. So I'm with you. Maybe not 52 yeah. out of 57 snaps, but overall the production. As a guy who also, and this is such an underrated part of playing running back, just getting as many yards as you can, which sounds simple and honestly overstated, but like just knowing the right cut, when to make it, and when to kind of take your losses in a certain way. Like yeah. it's, a, it's an instinctual thing. It's a disciplined thing. Obviously, with all the thousands of reps he's taken, it's partly the reads that you make. Um, he just, you know, you never look at a run and be like, he had two yards there and turned it into minus four. And that's, right. that's huge for an offense that needs to scan schedule. A couple more uh, numbers. Uh, just one, one more quick thing on Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, Patriots backfield has been unpredictable since Bill Belichick took over in 2000. But <laughs> I think that. I really would not be surprised if he was a guy who was playing 90% of snaps for the rest of the season based solely on what happened last night. Like they did not want to put anyone else on the field. Ty Montgomery got six snaps and then got cut today. They did not use Kevin Harris for a single snap, despite elevating him from the practice squad. And Jamichael Hasty was inactive. So I don't know what about last night suggests that they would trust anyone else to take on those snaps. I know this is a, a game plan offense and all those things. Maybe they get you Michael hasty eventually involved, but based on what we saw last night, they don't want to put anyone else on the field and they might not trust to put anyone else on the field. It's a great point. And another reminder, and this is not unique to the Patriots, but for any NFL team or coach actions, Trump words, and especially <laughs> words to reporters. So Kevin yeah. Harris might be working really hard and no one's worked harder than Michael Hasty since he got here. And, you know, we think he's got a good skill set. We'll see how it goes. No, we've seen how it went. He had yeah. an opportunity and they didn't want to play him. And they're never going to say that. I'm not saying they should, you know, should, but just, just look for the numbers and the playing time and the division of, of labor. And that will tell you everything you need to know about how the Patriots coaches feel about their own players. Uh, another player, Hunter Henry, three catches, 40 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, it's sustainable, but it, it, it it's like – it's not fluky, but to have two touchdowns on three catches is a little bit fluky as far as like production goes. Um, but I don't know. There's nothing to me that suggests that Hunter Henry should excel more with Bailey Zappi than, than he did with Mac Jones because like Mac Jones and, and Hunter Henry had – great rapport all throughout the summer and then it just never really came to fruition during the season outside of like week one 
So I think I think that Hunter Henry can do this. I just don't think he's going to be doing this every week, getting you know one or two touchdowns, just because that that in itself is not sustainable. But great catch by him. Um, but I was actually kind of surprised that Zappy wasn't targeting him more, given that early success. Yeah, totally reasonable. It would be obscene um, or absurd, I should say, <laughs> not obscene to expect anyone to continue to score two, uh, two right. touchdowns per game, but. Hunter Henry, you know, I loved about the first one, which was a tight red zone throw. It's just the anticipation. Like, that was coming out of Bailey Zappi's hands as Hunter Henry was turning his head. And sometimes anticipation can be an issue, right? But in that instance, that time and that space down in the red zone, that's how that play needs to go. Mm -hmm. That's how that play went. That's why they scored. Last one, I'm just going to jump to defense here for a second because – you know, look, they have not been tested by a quarterback who's had appropriate weapons and in, in environment in a long time, Justin Herbert notwithstanding. Um, the run defense is very good, no disputing that. Man-to-man coverage. This is interesting to me because they were excellent against the Chargers. 5-14, of 14, a couple of drops, only 70 yards. I had them allowing two completions when they were in man-to-man coverage. They also had a defensive pass interference. Hello, J.C. Jackson. Um, they got a sack. And allowed a seven-yard scramble to Mitch Trubisky, who just – I think he just wanted to scramble the whole night. It was the first play. It was all the big moments. The man just wants to run. Let that yeah. wild stallion go into the hills of Pittsburgh. I don't think Steeler fans will miss him. Do you think from the last two weeks, Keenan Allen, George Pickens, problematic receivers, that like J.C. is going to be a roller coaster? Jonathan Jones, man, especially in that last rep, he's pretty solid. First of all, maybe the Patriots could bring in Mitchell Trubisky to be Ezekiel Elliott's backup. That, that would be you know, <laughs> great for all parties. If he just wants to run, he could run here. Um, I kind of feel like, well, first of all, that last pass for the Steelers, like to throw it in that situation, <laughs> was bizarre. I actually think, though, if Mitchell Trubisky had made that exact same decision but targeted J.C. Jackson – they probably would have got what they wanted out of it. They probably would have got a pass interference. And I'm even wondering, I thought it was a good rep by Jonathan Jones. If JC Jackson had done that exact same thing in that situation, I wouldn't have been shocked if refs had thrown a flag on JC Jackson. Um, But Bill Belichick did not seem to agree with uh, the first flag on JC Jackson. He said after the game that he made a good play. Yeah. He, he said it was like, he said it was like a good rep by J.C. Jackson, but he got flagged on it um, on the interception because he was praising Jabal Peppers. Okay. So I know the play you're talking about. I just have to stress that, like, if J.C. Jackson did that to George Pickens at a middle school dance, some teacher is coming into the middle of the field <laughs> with a ruler saying, "Leave room for Jesus." Like, was, yeah, I mean, he he took his hips and dragged him backwards. Like, I, yeah. I'm just simply stating what Bill Belichick said. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was pass interference. The second DPI was a little more ticky-tack on J.C. Jackson. I don't know. I mean, they – I don't think it's sustainable, the the man, the, the ability and man coverage that they had last night. Just because J.C. Jackson really has struggled uh, so far this season with the Patriots, with penalties, he got beat uh, on the touchdown by Deontay Johnson. Um, I'm m- maybe like Miles Bryant's second – biggest defender uh, you know right right beneath taylor kyles but i'm like right up there with taylor for for miles bryant i'm in there too i mean he's he's a good player he was actually he i thought he had a really good game uh yesterday in general uh he had the tackle for loss i I think he might have had uh he was in close coverage on an incompletion um he he was bringing some pressure but not exactly the guy that you want 
matched up in the slot against a top tier slot receiver in man coverage. Uh, Jonathan Jones is Jonathan Jones. I think that he's obviously a good cornerback, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily trust this cornerback group um, to be doing this every week against a quarterback that's not Mitchell Trubisky. We'll see. Uh, Alex Austin had a good rep out there as well. He played, what, like 15, 20 snaps, something like that, uh, mostly on the outside, a little bit in the slot, and and he certainly didn't out, look out of place in his Patriots debut. He did not, and uh, that was a very quiet debut. It was a guy just thrown out there on a Thursday night who was claimed yep. off waivers from the Texans about a month ago and has not even played special teams. And hey, Not even. Signed after he was released off their practice squad. Signed to the 53-man roster after he was released from a practice squad. So, yeah. That is a great correction because that says yeah. more of what I really should have uh, tried to express there. It says a <laughs> yes. lot. But um, – I'm split here. I don't think the numbers will be this good because, again, that's just not sustainable in a, in a bigger picture sense. But yeah. if you want to argue four, you look at the Chiefs. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes scares you. Yeah. The weapons outside, though, and the history of which they, they play man coverage at such a high rate against the Chiefs and against Mahomes suggests that they'll continue to do that. I'm not that terrified. The Broncos might be different looking at New Year's. Uh, or Christmas Eve, excuse me, New Year's Eve, they're going to go to Buffalo. Stephon Diggs is obviously an issue. Mm-hmm. And then the Jets. So, like, it's a small enough sample, or maybe you get away with it for half of these games, three of these games. Um, and the other part is just, speaking of samples, they only played man coverage in about 30% of their snaps. So if you can pick mm-hmm. your spots in a way that surprises the quarterback or is accompanied by a quick pressure or some of these different calls that they have, creepers, sim pressures, whatever it might be, that can kind of buy you some time. Um, in a way that if it's more about timing than the consistent execution, I'm not locking you down one-on-one if I'm Jonathan Jones every single snap. But in the times that I need to do it, like that fourth down play, like the play you mentioned from Miles Bryant, I think they might be able to get away with it. But it's going to be asking a lot, obviously, against Mahomes, Allen, even whatever form this is of Russell Wilson uh, in the coming games. I actually think that you're probably better off running man coverage even more against Patrick Mahomes next week. Um, obviously, he can fit into tight windows, but I don't think you really want to run that much zone against Patrick Mahomes because he can pick that apart. And the Chiefs receivers kind of stink. So, like, it's not it's not going to be that tough to cover those Chiefs wide receivers in man coverage uh, just given the talent level on that team right now. All right. Uh, let's breeze through these next two segments, the first of which um, I, <laughs> I remember – Texting you last night, and we're trying to decide because in the year 2023, soon to be 2024, you and I are writing on newspaper deadlines so that people can have the news in their hands in paper form true. And, and learn what happened the night before. That's something that's still going on, uh, which we are grateful. It obviously gives us mm-hmm. work to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But... I need to decide what kind of angle I'm taking, communicate that to you, divvy up the work. And what I told you was not what I ended up doing. And what I wrote was (laughs) that it was uh, bittersweet for obvious reasons with the win. Patriots snap a five-game losing streak, and yet their draft odds have been worsened because of what was otherwise a very joyous night. So on a scale of one to ten, one being completely bitter, you are pissed, you're upset, you see this tank, you turning away from, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May, and you're very, you're very angry, or 10, and you go, they earned this, they deserved it, this is a positive, 
you can kind of teach the young players as you finish the season, this is how you work, this is how you prepare, this is what the rewards of that, and you're very you're very happy. Where are you on the one to ten bitter to sweet scale? I would probably go six just because they didn't actually fall down the draft order. They stuck at number two. And obviously it hurts their chances significantly of getting the number one overall pick. That's almost basically at the window, I'd say, at this point. But the fact that they were able to stick in that number two spot, you can't be completely bitter about this. At least they won. At least you saw something out of Zappy. At least like some of these guys started to have better games. So that's where I would go. Where do you go on it? I'm a five. And it's... Yeah. It might feel like a cop-out, but I can't write the bittersweet column and not feel bittersweet <laughs> stuff in the middle because, like you said, they kept the second-best odds for the yeah. world. Those odds are virtually worthless, okay? Like, I right. have the second-best odds of winning the lottery. Great. Like, I'm probably not <laughs> going to win. Everyone's odds are infinitesimal. But you still stay in the top three conversation. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether Jaden Daniels, we're all going to play catch-up here. Oh, so, no, he's right. right on the same tier as Caleb Williams and Drake May supposedly are because then the third pick will feel pretty good. Um, yeah. than it does right now or maybe a month ago. And yet, I just, I don't know. It's it's, it's tough. Like, I feel good for those guys in the locker room. We, we yeah. see them every week. We talk right. to them multiple times a week. We understand the effort and the preparation. If you're sitting at home upset about this, understand that it is only through those players and through those coaches and through those staffers that you get your entertainment every single Sunday or an occasional Thursday, certainly not a Monday anymore. And so you owe it to them to not only just think about them for a second as opposed to your own enjoyment from what they do and they put on the line every single week, but what it would mean to them to get a win. Because that's the whole thing. If we're not watching games or we're not playing games or the thrill of victory or a surprise upset like we saw Thursday night, what are we doing? Right. So ultimately, yes, in the long term, it would have behooved the Patriots to lose and that's what it is in terms of getting their odds to be a franchise quarterback. You know what else, though? You can trade up. If you don't like being a number right. three, blow yeah. away the team at number two. Right. That's yeah. always an option. The Patriots have been reluctant to do that in, in any kind of trade, frankly. I mean, obviously, they've never been up there before with Bill Belichick, but the point stands. It was better to probably take your medicine. Um, but F it. I'm glad we had sure. ice cream out there tonight. Ice cream tastes good. Um, don't only see players ball. in the locker room, by the way. I just saw Andrew Stuber at Target. No, he did. That was Andrew Stuber. I didn't talk to him. But I saw him. So <laughs> want to throw um, that in there. Oh, speaking of locker room, I don't know what to make of this. If I, I, I would lean towards nothing because if this were a sports radio topic, this would probably be half of an hour. A lot of conspiracy theory talks. I did not see the crafts in the locker room. I did not see them on the mm. video uh, that was produced by the team, released by the team of the, the locker room before media gets in there. It, they Did they show them on the telecast? I don't, I don't remember them showing them on the telecast. There was times that I was kind of like rewinding and doing all sorts of things, just like yeah. rewatch plays and stuff uh, that might have missed them. But I didn't specifically see them on the broadcast. I mean, I no idea if they were there or not based on that. But And it is also like a pretty busy weekend at Gillette Stadium with the Army-Navy game. So yes, I don't know definitely. if that has anything to do with anything. But um, yeah, we don't know anything. But I just wanted to toss that yeah. in there that – there is something major happening at Gillette this weekend. Yes, and not to mention, um, you know, I, I will just broadly say the situation going on in Gaza and Israel, and we obviously know uh, the crafts and their their dedication to their their faith, and you know the, the whole cause standing against Jewish hate, 
uh, for Robert Kraft. And so I think those events are probably stressing them in a way that would make this a difficult season, even if the Patriots were in three and 10. And I'll leave that there. Uh, game balls. What do you got? Uh, there was a lot. I mean, there was a lot on offense, like Bailey Zappi, Ezekiel Elliott. I didn't even mention in my best and worst uh, in my post last night. Uh, Hunter Henry, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Michael Wenu is up there too. Um, on defense, Bill Peppers. Um, Kyle Duggar, I thought, had a good game. Miles Bryant had a good game. So Am I, I going to get any game balls? <laughs> no, well, I just wanted – you, you can expand on these guys, but I'm just like saying that like it was hard to limit it to three okay. when I was doing my best and worst. Um, so I would put Michael Wenu in, um, in there. He would be one of mine. Um, and I'll, I'll just do two on offense. I'll also do Bailey Zappi just because, I mean, what happened happened. It wasn't sustainable throughout the entire game, uh, but he was really good in that first half. It allowed the Patriots to win. I also, I think the broadcast said that TJ Watt eventually got checked out by, you know, one of the red hats on the sideline about a concussion, but like, he got kneed in the face so goddamn hard on the very first play of the game that it was somewhat shocking that he actually stayed in the game. But he also did not seem like the same type of player that you usually see out of him. So obviously, Michael Wendu did a great job against T.J. Watt. Not sure if T.J. Watt was 100% after that play. It's a, it's a good point. Uh, he continued to play. He had a hurry, according to my charting, against Michael Wendu. Yeah. Though it was close. He had two... Right. You know, Russia's closing in, and, and Zappi's pocket presence is something that I didn't hit on. I don't want to go back to Zappi, but it's worth noting that, like, amid all of the protection that he got, right. when he needed to slide or shuffle or move up or to the side, he did that frequently, consistently, and that's good on him. On the protection note also, um, if you want to argue it is sustainable, granted the Chiefs are going to be a very difficult test this week, uh, Cole Strange, David Andrews have not allowed a pressure or run stuff in two straight weeks. Trent Brown had a clean sheet on uh, Thursday night. City sounded not. It's very dirty. That thing needs to go in the dishwasher again. And um, for my game balls, I'm going Kyle Duggar because he was a huge example for me of, you know, your coaches and players. And it sounds like a cop out. Sometimes I thought the same thing when they go, well, I got to watch the film. I don't, I don't really know what happens. You're like, you, you were in the middle of what happened. I do you not know what was around you? Like generally that's, that's something that's good to know. But he had four pressures. He had a pass breakup. He was denying throws left and right. And so yeah. it's unusual to see a safety play so much of a role or leave such an imprint as a blitzer. But he did that. I think it was very soft pass interference penalty. So we really should have had two pass breakups. And that's a guy um, that I, I think has had a quieter season than anyone expected, himself included. But mm-hmm. this was a game where he was just making play after play after play. And I think deserves game ball. Absolutely. Uh, seven tackles for him, too. Yeah, I just want to make sure I didn't miss that. My other one goes to Anthony Jennings because this is another one where yeah. I go, okay, he had three tackles for loss. Yep. He had two run stuffs and also led the team, not only in those categories, but in ragdolling Steelers tight ends. <laughs> okay, like he was getting revenge for his little brother who had been picked on by Pat Fryermuth and Darnell Washington, who, mind you, are just as big as he is, uh, but certainly didn't feel like it. So Anthony Jennings, I, I know I've been asked about him before. And I, I dismiss is too strong, but put him in a place where it's like, look, he's only playing because Matt Judon's hurt and he's playing fine and he can set the edge. This was more than just setting yeah. the edge. This was not setting the table. This was like helping cook the meal and what was very effective and very delicious for that Patriots defensive front. So um, credit to Anthony Jennings, maybe the best game of his entire career. 
Somewhat shocking he was a healthy scratch in week one, given how good he is against the run and how much Bill Belichick values that uh, from an edge defender. Yeah, another guy entering a contract here, um, which I, I don't know where his head's at. With If I asked him, he probably right. wouldn't tell me. But I I wonder if he's someone who kind of signs early, you know, like seems to like it here, has a role, has yeah. got some progress. Like I I think they would certainly welcome him back, you know, obviously pending a lot, GM, yeah. coach, all that different stuff. What would NFL Films say? Have we um, have we done this segment before? I don't think so, no. Okay. How ridiculous did it sound to you when I emailed you the rundown and just left you one <laughs> one line explaining this? I I understood it. Coming from you, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. So yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, do you do you want to um, you know, play narrator here for a second, or Steve? You, you, it's not you're not narrating, but just kind of like, what would this look like? What would it sound like? Like you, you were. I, absorbing NFL films like as I was yes. as a kid. You know what I'm getting at here. Um, I certainly wouldn't say that they're saying like, oh, the tides have turned on the Patriots season. I think that it would be more like a a glimmer of hope uh, for the Patriots in the future. Bailey Zappi finally, you know, shows what he did in 2022 in one game this year. Like, I, I don't think it would be made that big of a deal. What is What is your feeling on this? Well, I said they just skipped the Chargers game last week. I said they pretend it doesn't even happen. They skipped the whole hour. I, That's I fair. Yeah. Cameramen, uh, writers on strike, faking out sick, trying to get out for the holidays. So I think they spend a lot of time on this game, Tug. I think I think they draw on some uh, nostalgia, some old Patriots yeah. battles of the past. You know, uh, Because Matthew Slater, this might even be where they start, is at the end in the locker room, is him pointing at Troy and, and Bill. And he yeah. didn't race up to Troy and then stand aside for a firm handshake from Bill. <laughs> but he just nodded to them and said, we've been here a lot. And it was yep. funny because Matthew and I actually talked about Troy's punt return uh, in the 2001 or two, whatever you want to call it, AFC Championship game at Pittsburgh a number of years ago last week. Uh, talking about that. Anyway, I think they draw on the nostalgia, certainly the fast start. You get their first opening touchdown drive of the season, which is what we all tweeted at the time. That's in the documentary. I think – they show that, you know, quote unquote momentum going into halftime, but the Steelers dig in and battle back. And you get a short mm. conversion here, you get the interception there, you get Bailey Zappi gets sacked, and then it comes down to defense and Belichick kind of delivers, and then you get him up at the podium. Not a lot of sleep this week, but we sure are satisfied with the win. How does that sound? That is fair. I mean, in an hour long documentary, this game and the Bills game maybe take out like like 45 minutes of it. That, that, that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah. I think we get a little bit of Bailey Zappi in there too. Like he, he said uh, there were no family or friends because he just can't afford the <laughs> yeah. tickets, which was, <laughs> I'm still on a rookie contract, which made me think like, oh, well, they actually tore that up and then they signed you to practice squad and they gave you a new contract to come back. I don't know the details. I'm sure it's a minimum, but he's happy. Uh, happy Zappi. Well, well we, we've, all, all, we've already established his, his father and Bill O'Brien was there, and his and his father-in-law, yeah. Bill Bill Belichick, was there too. <laughs> yes, perpetually forever uh, pissed, uh, Bill yeah. Belichick, the father-in-law. He said on the telecast, supposedly the telecast relayed a conversation yeah. say, between Bailey and his college offensive coordinator that Bailey was going to stay in New England because, quote, trust me, I'll be the starter. And I just want to start, and again, I I don't blame him for possibly lying on the radio the other day when it was asked, you wanted to stay here? Why? You had other offers. He was like, stay and be coached by Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien. I would want to go somewhere I could play too. If he thought that was here, obviously he was proven right. 
and B, he's played well, so good for him. But that certainly had my attention, I think, when you were tweeting about it. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Nicole Menner from NBC10 Providence is the one who put out the transcript there, and I heard Kaylee Hartung say that as well. Um, I I think there's something to the fact that, like, look at the way things have worked out for Will Greer in New England. If you go somewhere else, a team that didn't draft you and a team that you didn't spend all summer with, there's a very little chance, unless there's two to three injuries, that you're actually going to get on the field. So I do think it was a smart choice in retrospect for Bailey Zappi to stick around in New England because he is getting this chance to start. I think that if he had gone to any one of the other 31 NFL teams, unless it was, say, like the Jets or the Vikings, if he had just like randomly picked the perfect scenario where he could have, um, you know, joined a team that had a season-ending injury, then, yeah, maybe he would have gone on the field. But there was a higher probability for him to earn the starting role in New England than there was elsewhere just based on his history with the offense. But definitely a little bit damning <laughs> towards Mac Jones that he was telling his college offensive coordinator, like, trust me, I'll be the starter here eventually. Um, and I don't know, there's been questions about, you know, that relationship in the quarterback's room dating back to the summer now at this point. And I'm not sure if that getting out there will – uh, do much to improve any relations between the Patriots quarterbacks. I, I can't imagine Mac Jones would be very happy to hear that. But, I mean, hey, it, I guess it doesn't really matter how it happened. Bailey Zappi was right that he he did eventually become the Patriots starter. Uh, it took Mac Jones being benched four times and the Patriots having basically no other option but to turn to Bailey Zappi. But he did it, so good for him, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like they say, fifth, fifth time is uh, is the term. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fourth or whatever. It's, I know the saying is really third. Just to, just to get ahead of the YouTube yeah. commenter who says this thing actually counting as third time. A couple of things on that. One of which is partly our fault, right, for drawing attention to this in our hit on NBC a few months ago. Just like, hey, I don't think they're right. best friends. Which, yeah. pretty innocuous comment. We were kind of putting two to get two together in our minds. And lo and behold, that turned out to be 40 on Sports Talk Radio the next day. Second thing is, I do want to make the point that I saw Mac Jones in the locker room. Completely pleasant, fine, and yeah. fist bump, Bailey Zappi on the way out, said congratulations. And so I doubt he had seen the quote at that point. Right. I don't think Bailey Zappi really cares if he sees the quote. I think they can right. go about their jobs and be professionals uh, moving forward. And so it's just uh, I, maybe we should have NFL films on their relationship make an hour-long documentary out of that or just this whole quarterback situation where we get a little Malik and then he's gone and because uh, it's just been it's been a wild ride man from everyone in the summer yeah. you and me included saying we're gonna get the best in Mac Jones I don't know how good that's going to be but it should be good enough to compete obviously it hasn't been the case but we got the best of Bailey Zappi on Thursday yeah we certainly did and I don't know I think there was a there was definitely a period of time over the summer where we were like trying to figure out how often Billy Zappi and Mac Jones interacted on the practice field. It wasn't very often, but we've seen them speak a lot more since the season began. So I don't, it certainly wasn't making something out of nothing, but um, no. yeah, it is what it no. is. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one. And then I'll open it up to you. And if you've got nothing, then we'll go home. Um, initial, initial thoughts on the chiefs game. That will be Sunday at one o'clock on Monday night football next weekend. I mean, 
I said what I said about the the Chiefs receivers. Obviously, you throw in Travis Kelsey, and it's a lot. It looks a lot better. Um, but no, I mean, I think I think the Patriots are going to lose. I think they'll probably their defense is good enough to limit the Chiefs to like twenty something points. Uh, but I don't have a lot of confidence that the Patriots can replicate what they did on offense against the Steelers, uh, just because the Chiefs' defense has been pretty solid uh, this season. So. I'm expecting a loss, probably like a double-digit loss, but I also think the Patriots' defense will do a pretty good job of not neutralizing Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs' offense, but at least limiting them to their fullest potential. Cosign on all that, I'll add a couple more numbers. Uh, the yeah. Chiefs, because everyone's made a big deal about their their defense, right? And I think it's partly just yeah. the, the backdrop of their history on defense has been very poor. This year, they're right. top 10. They're top 10 in offense still by DVOA. Uh, defense in special teams. Special teams would worry me in a big way, especially when you're adding Christian Ellis from the Eagles just to play a role that even Ty Montgomery couldn't right. do. Um, I don't want to like spend much more time on special teams, but the the blitz is going to be interesting to me because we know Steve Spagnuolo from the Chiefs loves to yeah. blitz, gets incredibly creative, and Bailey Zappi's held up pretty well against mm-hmm. the blitz. I mentioned this earlier. The Steelers got scared out of it in the second half. And maybe they felt there was some sort of advantage just to rushing forward, letting T.J. Watt be T.J. Watt. But in the first half against that blitz, Billy Zappi was 4 of 7 for 73 yards. And yeah. against the Chargers, he took three sacks. But he also went 3 of 7 for 25, which is not good. But there's, there's something here where he's willing to stand in and they're protecting as well as they have, which is as well as they have all season. It's kind of an interesting battleground here of like, I think they might be able to give Bailey Zappi more time. I don't know if he converts yeah. with it, but um, because in the back end is they also like to play a lot of man coverage and Juju Smith-Schuster and DeMario Douglas will be back. So Juju doesn't need to have 90 yards. He can go, hey, please right. take these 60 and I can go back to my 30 per game, please. Um, Devontae Parker might be back, but mm-hmm. Pop Douglas is obviously the only one that scares you. <laughs> Not scares you. As a defensive coordinator, you go, maybe we should double him if we're playing man. Do you think there's anything to the Patriots kind of limiting that wide receiver rotation that helped them a little bit and maybe helped Juju Smith-Schuster to like get in yeah. the rhythm in that game? Because like I've said this for years now, the Patriots have like depth at wide receiver, but not high end talent. And I do think that the best wide receiver core is like, all right, these two to three guys play every single snap. Whereas with the Patriots, it's just like constantly mixing and matching pieces. Whereas the Patriots really kind of stuck with the same crew in there yesterday and seem to benefit from it i'd like to see that rotation limited um continuing even after the mario douglas and and Devonte parker come back and maybe it is just you know parker douglas and smith schuster those are your three wide receivers don't put anyone else out there there's no like tyquan thornton's been better i guess over the last couple of weeks to some degree but like he's still not doing anything out there um so I don't know. I would I would continue to limit that rotation even without the injuries. I think that that could help Bailey Zappi and the offense as a whole. Um, but no, it is it is interesting. I think that I mean at the same time, like the Patriots' offense was certainly better at protecting Bailey Zappi this week, but they weren't against the Chargers. So it is you don't fully know which offensive line you're going to get um, week to week with the Patriots. Chris Jones against City Sal, not a matchup. Even is, against uh, Cole Strange, you know? Yeah, Cole has been better. Again, no pressures yeah. allowed the last two weeks against, you know, so-so defensive tackle. Although, though Cam Hayward, which, 
strangely brings out the best in Cole Strange. <laughs> like, yeah. We do last year. We're like, oh, maybe he was worth a first round pick. Right. Maybe he is Logan Mankins. Um, reincarnated while Logan Mankins is still alive somewhere. Um, but uh, it's not been the case. And you're right. I, I think it's a good point that the performance can certainly fluctuate, not only just based on opponent, but just based on the fact that it's hard to get five guys to work together seamlessly yeah. 60 to 70 times in a single game without error. And right. um, not that that ever happens. It's, you don't pitch a perfect game as an offensive line, but it is a really good point, um, especially in pass protection. All right, we will leave the rest of the Chiefs preview to next week. We will have two episodes. Uh, I teased one. I'm not sure if it will be next week or two weeks. Folks who will have stories from the sideline, the locker room, Ooh. and access that Doug and I don't even have. And it's not someone from within the organization because, let's just be honest, I think those stories would probably be a little boring uh, if they were centered a little bit. Anything else on your mind, in your heart, that uh, you want to close with? Um, I mean, that's cool to have access on the sideline. and and, and But, like, have they ever seen Andrew Stuber at Target like I did? I don't know. <laughs> you know? I think I've never bring seen that. Target. Um, no, I don't have any other thoughts, really. I'm, I'm taking Olivia to the new Disney movie tonight, so that'll be fun. But, yeah. What is the new Disney movie? It's called Wish. I know nothing about it. She knows nothing about it. But she needed a Wish dress before going to the Wish movie. <laughs> so we tried to figure that out. So that was a Target? That was the Target trip? That was a Target, yeah. Andrew Stewart not picking up a Wish dress. I don't know what he was, well, I don't know what he was buying. I ducked him. Where, where was I, he in the Target? I saw him a few times, actually. Uh, some near checkout, some near the front. He was just kind of doing his grocery shopping there. This is how, many, how many other people in the world? Would even recognize Andrew Stubert Target. That's what. That's my question. I, they're all members of the Patriots media corps <laughs> or the Stuber family, uh, which is, or, is not too. Or members of the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Well, hmm. uh, most members of the Patriots. <laughs> forget yeah. it's a big, it's a big locker room, and it's this is not room. to disparage. No. Uh, first of all, an NFL player. He's been on the practice squad, come back yeah. from injury, and he's, he's hung on the team too. It's just. Um, funny because, you know, that's a good reminder that like the rest of us, uh, they have to grocery shop and go out and do that. And sometimes true. buy a wish dress or maybe that's just you and lovely. lovely. Well, I hope you enjoy the movie. Thank you for coming on. Pal. Yeah. And, uh, I hope you enjoy the weekend. We'll be back at some point next week. Cheese preview stories from the sign. Do you have any guests, by the way, who I've been teasing? No, I don't really. Oh, excellent. All right. We'll keep the folks at home waiting and wishing and, uh, wishing they were watching the wish movie with you. Thank you, guy.